All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. My name is Joe Marcellina, and for the next half hour, we'll be preparing you for the start of the New Hampshire high school football season this weekend with the help of my guest, Roger Brown of the Union Leader and New Hampshire Football Report. First, let me remind you that every Wednesday at 7, I'll be down at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua with a different guest to talk about some New Hampshire high school football. You can be a part of the conversation by joining us live or by emailing us at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And as always, the show will be posted Thursday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com, so if you miss us on Wednesdays, don't worry. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's say hello to Roger Brown. Roger? Hello, How's Joe. How's it going? Very good. Very thanks good. for uh, thanks for coming all the way out here. Happy to be here. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, so as I was talking to you before we started here, just want to uh, talk to you a little bit first about what you got going on with your site, uh, uh, NewHampshireFootballReport.com. Uh, this week you added some new features. You want to maybe just uh, let us know what you got going on there? Yeah, you know I've been wrestling with the idea of uh, adding paid content to the website for years. Um, Never, never got up and you know actually did it. But as you know, it's pretty time-consuming effort. Um, so we just added some extra content, uh, literally called extra, and you know we're we're offering memberships slash subscriptions for those people who want to help support the site. Um, and I'm trying to give it a make it a mix of high school and uh, college content up there. So so far the. Uh, so it's been good. You know. Good feedback to it already. Yeah, yeah, going uh, good for the first week. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, I know we, we've talked about it. It uh, feels like quite a bit over the last year. Um, again, with, with uh, my site doing the same thing. Um, you know, I pretty much copied you, <laughs> Joe, is what I did. <laughs> I, I, feel sh- I should probably feel pretty good about that, I guess. Yes, uh, no means question. I might, must be doing something right at some level. Uh, no, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. Uh, so let's, um, you know, let's jump into... Um, you know what? The, what's getting started this weekend? The, the football season. Uh, I wanted to have you come down this week because, you know, you ask anybody, you're the go-to guy as far as media people as to what's going on with um, football in this state. Uh, and there's a lot of changes that have been made, at least at the Division two and three levels um, this year. Uh, kind of an interesting thing, I think, in some ways. That you, now you got Division two, two conferences, and it feels like a million teams in each conference. Uh, what do you think about that, that, that there's now a North and a South conference with 11 teams and you're playing nine games? As I've written ad nauseum, and people are probably sick of hearing this, I, I like two conferences. Ideally, it would, be, it would be two conferences with 10 teams in each. You could play. Everybody would play the same schedule. It would be a nine-game schedule. Um, you know, Division One's in position to do that, but they just insist on these four conferences all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the 22 teams, you know, it does seem like a lot. If there was any way they could have just, you know, kept two two teams in Division Three to make it a 20-team division, you know, I'd be all for what they're doing in Division Two. Uh, that said, it's better, I think, than what they had, which was a bunch right. of. You know, I don't know how they did the scheduling. It didn't. There's no rhyme or reason to it. In I the think past. they they let the teams do the scheduling themselves for the most part outside mm-hmm. of the conferences, right? It seemed that way. Yeah. Yeah. I know certain teams certainly requested, you know, uh, not so strong opponents, or they tried to match up strong teams with each other in some cases. But you know, I, I'm just all about an. an to me, it's got to be fair, and fair to me means an, uh, a balanced schedule. Everybody needs to be playing the same opponents whenever possible. Um, it's not always possible with the structure of things, but 
Um, if we could get the, the you know the two conferences, ten teams each, you play a nine game regular season, then you you still have your eight team playoff, and you go from there. Um, but you know this was I guess they felt that uh, they didn't have anybody that they could keep in Division Three to do that, so they felt like they had to go with twenty two teams, I suppose. Which I don't even know. I I, I mean. I get the enrollment idea, or or the way they do that. You know, the, the, they break it down by what teams, you know, enrollment size, how the divisions are broken up. For the most part, you have a couple schools. Although I think West is now enrollment size in Division Two. Yeah, anyways. I think they fit so there. Yeah, enrollments there are dropping like crazy yeah. everywhere. They could have, you know, one thing they could have done was was um, the new team, uh, Hillsborough during Hopkinton. You know, their enrollment puts them in Division Two, but it seems like they could have cut them a break and maybe left them in Division Three for the first two years. A first, it's a yeah, a first-year program. And then you've got schools like I know uh, Guilford Belmont with the addition of Belmont kids this year put their enrollment in Division Two, but it's not like they've been, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a powerhouse in Division Three. So if they wanted to, they could have they could have kept it at twenty teams and capped it at that, but. Um, you know, who knows what goes on in those meetings. You know, I'm yeah, sure there's um, arguments right. against doing that as well. I mean, why not even – and the thing I look at is, is, is you've got some teams that have struggled to compete in Division Two with West, uh, Pelham. You know, why not even just drop them – leave those other two that you mentioned and drop those two down, give Division Two less teams, make it make that 18 teams and, and Division Two 20 teams or, or whatever it would be. I think it would be 20 teams if you had those four. I, either way, it just it f- almost feels like in Division Two, you've got two divisions within that where yeah, there's there's, there's, there's eight, a lot of teams. teams that are, you know, ahead of everyone else. And then what's that leave? I can't do that much math in my head. I think it's fourteen teams that are kind of in their own could be in their own division. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, and again, it just if they could have found a way to drop two, it would have been much better. I think you know leveled things off a little bit, but. Um, yeah, you do get, you know, you do get that uh, that breaking point where, you know, the the quality of the the program drops off fairly significantly in Division Two after whatever it is, eight or ten, you know, haves and have-nots for sure. Uh, in Division Three, then too, you you've got where it kind of, or maybe it's the case in both. You look at you look at the way that they lined up the teams in the South see in the in Division Two seems like it's stacked. And then you turn around and you look at the North in Division Three, and it, you know, it, and when and then you have a team in in Monadnock who, uh, last time I looked, I mean that's kind of the south southern part of the state, right? Yeah, I, from talking to all the Division Three coaches, or, or a lot of them, anyways, they were hoping that when they found out Kearsarge and Monadnock were dropping to Division Three, they were hoping that they would put one of them in each conference, however they wanted to do it, and instead they stuck both of them in the North. And uh, made it an extremely difficult conference. You know, um, you could have, I don't know, maybe six of the eight playoff or best teams in the state could be in the North or Division Three at least. Right, right. Um, and they don't have their their playoff structure set up like Division Two, where they can pick all those wild cards. They they got it four, four and four. four. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we're just gonna have to see how that plays out. It's it's definitely better to be in the South, though. No question. I find it kind of interesting, given all of the years that, that it seems like every everything had to be the same across the board. You know, all the playoffs had to be set up the same way. Um, and then now we've got football where it's it's different in all three. You go and look at the handbook, and it's it's now, I think, three pages long onto what the procedures are for, for 
the playoffs for football. Not that I'm comp- I'm not complaining about that. I like it. I like the I uh, disagree a little bit on Division One. I. I like the way it's set up. I like that they change schedules every year. But I could I wouldn't be against two conferences there either. Um, well, let me just stop you there, Joe. My thing with Division One is. I think you could have two conferences, but they don't have to be the same 10 teams every year. You could have Northwest be a conference this year and then North-South or, you know, Northeast. You, you could just rotate it just like it as is. The, the only reason I want two conferences in D1 is to eliminate the possibility of that that four and five conference champion, you know, that we had we, with. Yeah, a couple of years ago, it, yeah. It would, it would eliminate that. It would actually take the four best teams out of the 10 um, would make the playoffs. That's really the the only advantage. I mean, the schedules would stay the same. You're, it's still the same teams you're competing against. And if you could just, you know, nobody thinks that, yeah, well, they don't have to be the same 10 teams every year. We can just change Ro- it up just like it. we're doing now. Yeah. That, I think, is about the best you can do with what you're have, you you know, what you're working with. And I think Division Three. you know, I, I from what I learned, they went into their meeting, you know, and, and they restructured things a couple of years ago with two conferences and redid their playoff structure and all that, and it took them about 10 minutes. Whereas these Division One people, I, I hear, you know, are in there debating things for a significant amount and of they, time. And they didn't change anything. No, and then, you know, and, and like Division Two, I think, took a look at what Division Three did and kind of copied it, you know, at, at least in the two conferences and then tweaked their playoff, how they did the playoffs as well. So, um I mean, yeah, that's the only that's the only complaint I have with D one. I just wish there would be two conferences. It's it's literally a five second fix. Yeah, you know, and um, just to keep everybody, people like you, happy that want to see the different teams play each other. I fine, you know, mix them up every year. I got no problem with that. Although you do end up with uh, a situation, I think, where you, this year you look at it and the way the clusters are, are in Division one, um, you know, with with the North and South playing, you could have, you know, six of the eight best teams in the con- in the division right there and two of them aren't going to make the playoffs because only four can and that i don't think that changes and and to be quite yeah, honest i don't know if i i'm upset about that i think that's just the way it happens uh, yeah i think if you have 10 teams and you just take the best four if the fifth team in the other conference is better than the fourth team in this one it's just something we're gonna have to live with you know uh, yeah. You're always going to have somebody complain, and no, no matter if it's eight teams that get in, and the ninth team over there is better, or, or whatever, what have you. But if, if there's a ten-team conference and you finish fifth, I think you should—you just didn't do enough to make the playoffs. Right. And that's—that's—that's <laughs> that's the way it used to be too. And you know, in the other division format, when there were six divisions, if you were that fifth team, you were always left out. Right. And there was no chance of cross. You know, and at least I think then some might argue, well, why don't we just go back to that? And I—I I think this no. is still. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, no matter what they're doing here, this is still better. Yeah, than no, this what it is. Was. I'm just really fine tuning it. I mean, like I said, the, that's the one change I would make with D1, and, and it would just just because it would eliminate the possibility of that three and six or four and five. We already had a four and five team win the mm-hmm. their conference one year, um, and it you know it may not happen again for the next ten no. years, but it, it would just eliminate the possibility of that, and it really wouldn't change anything else. Everybody's still playing the same schedule. You're competing against the same teams for the playoffs. Um, and, again, like I said, if we rotate it every year, so you've got, you know, five five new teams coming in, um, it's status quo everywhere else. So people should be happy, I would think. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been talking about, you know, how the changes that they've been made to the divisions. What about who's actually going to win them? And and I guess the, the thing that, that I, I kind of have gone back and forth with myself here 
is looking at Division One, and it feels like a lot of people are looking at Merrimack as that team to beat, which I I, I think they're going to be pretty good too. Um, I just have a hard time putting all of my confidence in a team, a program that hasn't made the postseason in, tw- in or made it once in 20 years. I mean, and and I guess you could say the same thing is is kind of shaping up a Division Two with John Stark, who has one of the best players in the state, and, and uh, Drew McQuarrie, who's what going to Boston College. It's, right. it's the case right now. Yeah, yeah he's committed um, to BC. John Stark's never made the playoffs. Can can these teams actually win champ- championships? Yeah, you'd feel a little bit better if maybe they got in the playoffs and maybe won the, a playoff game last year, and then they were going to take another step this year. But it, two things. F- that struck me when I was doing all the uh, the high school previews is there's a lot of teams in all three divisions that are just loaded with skill players, and the question mark is going to be up front, offensive line. Bedford's a good example. You know, skill players everywhere. They return everybody, but they lost their entire starting offensive line. Which seems to happen every other year to them. Yeah. Which is just weird. I, I just think it's... I found that you go to Stevens, you know, skilled people all over the place, very thin offensive line in Division Three. Uh, Goffstown, you know, still got a lot of skilled players. Um, some of them are returning, some of them are new faces, but they're still talented, but only one starter on the offensive line. And I think Merrimack is, is another one. You know, not that they don't have good offensive linemen, but, you know, Kip Jackson was saying um, an injury or two there, and, right. you know, yeah. they're a different team. Yeah. So that just seems to be the case, uh, you know, in a lot of places this year. How, how much of that do you think, um, and, and Kip actually said something to me uh, a couple of weeks ago that I thought was pretty interesting, or one of the, someone said this to me, I think it was Kip, um, you know, that if his team was playing seven-on-seven seven football all fall, they'd be, there'd be no question they were going to win. The fact that you have to throw the, you know, five linemen in there, or um, four, four more linemen in there, um, that's the problem. Is that, do you think that's maybe... The reason why some of these teams are, are coming up, you know, maybe saying we don't know who's going to play on the line is because they spend all summer doing these um, camps and then it, it there's could, no place for the linemen to go? It could be. I mean, they you know, they do have that lineman challenge. It's not as glamorous, so to speak, as these seven-on-seven tournaments, but at least they are doing some things for the linemen in this state. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny because, like, uh, places like Exeter, they churn out linemen year after year, you know. Um, and skill kids is the question there, usually, you know. Right. Um, and other places, they just can't find linemen. Um, you know, even Memorial. Memorial, you know, struggling struggling program the last few, few years. Well, two years ago they had a good team. But it's they generally have good linemen, you know. And it's just a matter of, uh, you know, the last year they had quarterback injuries, but it's the skill people there usually. Right. I mean, two years ago was an exception for them, but um, yeah, I really don't know. I mean, the the seven on seven has probably helped, or I know it's helped bring out like basketball players, for example, at a lot of schools to play wide receiver or even quarterback. But um, maybe they got to do more to pull the linemen out of the hallways in the high schools, at some yeah. places. I said something to to figure out, you know, down the road. Obviously, it's not going to change overnight. Um, it's just kind of an interesting thing that all of these teams, you know, you could sit here and say, if any one of them had a semblance of a, of a, a line returning, you could say would be the, the favorite. Um, and then it kind of creates this situation where you look at it and, and there's any, I think at least in Division One, there's probably eight teams, nine teams that you could look at right now and say, 
yeah, they, they got a shot. I wouldn't be surprised if they won um, some more than others. And then there's probably going to be one or two more teams that just kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of teams this year in, in D1, in, in my mind, that I think they could be really good. I'm not certain of that. You know, like Central, for example, and Salem's another one. Um, I have to see I have to see some of them, but they, they have potential to be really good. Um, and there just seems to be a lot of those types of teams where, you know, I'm fairly confident Merrimack's going to be good and Bedford's going to be good and Exeter's going to win it seven, eight, nine games, whatever. But there's a lot of these other teams, maybe, you know, five or six of them that any one of them I think could be the team this year that surprises and, and you know, turns in a really good season – or all of them could be, you know, six and three at the end of the year, you know, right. and, and just be kind of beat up on each yeah, other. Yeah, be very thing. solid. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know if there is a favorite. I mean, uh, uh, some people point to Bedford just because their number of kids and they do have all their skill back. But it's it's tough for me to call them, a, you know, a, a, the Goffstown of, of this year when they don't have any returning offensive linemen. Yeah. You I'll know? tell you, they – I thought of the teams that were at the Jamboree last Friday. They were the one that seemed to be the most complete um, team there, the, the ones that had everything close to being together at this point. Um, want to look at, uh, you know, we talked about depth there, and in Division II, um, I think there's one team that probably stands out in that category above everyone else, and that's Wyndham, close to 100 players in that program. And you think about their enrollment size, that might be a third of the boys that are in that school are playing football. I mean, just it's kind of it, it seems remarkable to me what how they've been able to continue that. I mean, there's really been no down period for that program since it started, what, six or seven years ago? Yeah. Uh, Eric Kumba, the St. Thomas coach, told me that, you know, Wyndham is slowly or quickly becoming the exeter of D2, you know, in terms of number of kids in the program and just uh, solid team year after year. You know, it's. Uh, you know they're going to be in the semifinals. It's just are they going to yeah, yeah. win that game and then win the yeah. next one? You know, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against them. That's for sure. No, at this point. no, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's you know you look you look around like Lebanon has a very good team this year, um, but they have only thirty eight kids in the program. You know, and wow. you you wonder even if they had twenty more kids, how much you know better chance they would have to compete or beat a team like Wyndham. You know. do, do you think, and this is this is kind of just popping into my head, is there any possibility that Wyndham would ever look up, look at moving up into Division One? I? I mean, j- let's just say that I mean it's a gro- the school seems to be one of the few that's growing. Yeah, uh, you, you got to think that's where they're headed. I don't know what the, um, I think the enrollment is eight hundred and something somewhere around between eight and nine hundred. I believe. Yeah, so you know they're they're not too far from from being in that Division One category. Yeah. You know, another hundred students. I don't know how hard that is to. Uh, you know, I know schools drop in enrollment a hundred a year easily, but I don't know how fast when uh, you know the sc- the schools are growing over there. But it seems like that's where they're headed. You know. Now that said, I know two years ago when uh, uh, Wyndham beat St. Thomas for the title, I jokingly uh, suggested to Bill Raycraft that Brian O'Reilly at Pinkerton was looking for a Thanksgiving Day <laughs> opponent, and he was. <laughs> Didn't want to know part of that. <laughs> he yeah, wanted to play yeah. Thanksgiving Day game, yeah, but not that not bad. Not that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but, you know, I, I have no doubt that they could compete up there, probably it, as is, with, yeah. with that many kids in your program. And they're well coached, and uh, they do a great job over there. So that's probably where they're headed, I would guess. Yeah, it sure seems like it. I mean, that team two years ago that, that won the championship, I mean, 
I think that team could have easily competed. I don't think it would have won, but it could have competed in Division One. Sure, yeah, without a well, qu- without question. Yeah, yeah. There's you know, D- Division One. Uh, you know, t- two thirds of the teams are. I'm just throwing out a, f- a fraction are. You know, are are very good, but there's that. S- there's some soft spots there for a team like Wyndham. You know, they would they would collect some wins if they were playing up there as well, for sure. Yeah. You know, looking at the rest of that South Conference in Division Two, uh, I kind of. And I look at, like, Sauhegan and Milford and St. Thomas. uh, They all play each other, and they play Wyndham. And my thinking was maybe, you know, they're probably going to beat up on each other, give each other a couple of losses. And then you look at there's another team hanging in there in Conval who has Milford to open the season, plays Wyndham and St. Thomas the last two weeks of the season, and in between plays no one that had a winning record last year, including... Uh, West, who was 0-8, and Pelham, who was 0-8 a year ago. Is Conval potentially the second, record-wise, second-best team in that, that conference? P- possibly. They're an interesting team this mm-hmm. year. I know they, they lost a lineman to, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was a knee or an ankle injury. You know, Again, they're another one of those teams that fits into the great skill line is a question, so they can't afford injuries there, but... They're, they're definitely a team that I think is ready to take a step forward this year. Um, and, you know, I, I hadn't looked at their schedule as closely as you have, but that type of schedule might help them get rolling a little bit. So by, maybe right, by the end right. of the year, they got some confidence and some wins. They could be a dangerous team. Um, so we'll just have to see about that. But they're, they're one of the teams that I'm very interested in watching. Yeah, them and, of course, as we mentioned before, John Stark. Yeah, uh, just, yeah, and they got a great game to open up the season hosting uh, Sauhegan. That should be a good one. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, John Stark. Uh, you know, a lot of people I can tell just from pe- people I've uh, I've spoken with, they're still not believers. They just hear the name John Stark and they just kind of chuckle. Kinda, but yep. that's not the case this year. You know, they they definitely have. Uh, they won five games last year, and we don't have to go down this road. But they should have made the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of. Um, they should have made yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. Let's put it that yeah. way. And um, so I think they did take that step that we were talking about that Merrimack didn't. You know, to me, they've already taken it, and they're ready to build on a 5-3 and three season you know, probably, this year. Probably that left them with a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, too. And, oh, and yeah. you never know what that kind of – I mean, that can really change. That could be the extra thing that they maybe need to get into – not just in the playoffs and win a couple of games. Well, they're certainly using it for motivation. You know, I spoke to their head coach, uh, Drew's dad, Rod McQuarrie, last night, I think it was, and, yeah, he said they're bringing it up quite often and using it to keep the kids uh, motivated. Uh, you know, and then Division Three, we talked about the um, the strength of that North Conference because of Banadnock and Kearsarge moving down, which just, it, 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 does, it not, doesn't only just baffle me because of the fact they were put in the same conference, but just the two teams that made the playoffs in Division Two are moving down a division. It's kind of like, you know, that Alvern team a couple of years ago that moved down to Division Three from Division was, you know, I don't think they were close to being a playoff team in Division Two, but still their enrollment put them right in the middle of it and just moved down to Division Three. I, I, it, it seems kind of silly that they, that that was allowed, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I think. You know, Monadnock has been playing up. I think their enrollment has had them in D3 really? for the okay. last few years. Okay. Well, um, I guess it makes more sense then. But if you're that competitive in the other division. Uh, well, I know what yeah. happened. I know I know they were on the table for discussion, you know, uh, with the football committee. And that was a name that was brought up. Do we want to 
do we want to see if we can fit Monadnock into D3 for whatever reason, you know, wherever they draw the line on enrollment. And I know uh, from talking to their head coach that he got a phone call and they said, they told him, listen, you know, you're one of the teams being discussed when we're doing the alignment here. Do you have a preference? And he told them, he didn't even know where the cutoff was going to be. He just told them, uh, we're going to play where our enrollment puts us. Whether that's D2, I'm fine with that. Or if it's D3, I'm fine with that too. Right. So they ended up putting him in D3. But it wasn't like he was clamoring to go to down or anything yeah, like that. Right, right. And they're, um, yeah, they're going to be a handful and for everybody say, this now year. They look kind of like the favorite yeah, in the I, division. I, yeah, I don't see it. I, they're clearly the favorite I, in so my mind. I guess is uh, the question is then is because, like we were saying, they take four teams from each conference regardless of if the fifth-place team is better going across, and then they cross over and play one versus four from the other conference, two, three. Could it be – are we going to end up with another, you know, two teams from the north playing for a championship in Division Three? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. That's one thing I do like about the crossover. If the two best teams are in the same conference, at least they have a chance to play each other right. in the title game. Um, yeah, Newport's still going to be very good, even though they lost, you know, that talented backfield. Um, trying to think who else is over in that. Stevens, Stevens is over yeah, there. Stevens, very uh, talented. Yeah. Um, Inner Lakes is still is Inner Lakes will well. be good. Yeah. You know, Kearsage, yeah. you know, I heard they're, you know, they may not be what they have been the last few years, but you, you still got to figure they're going to, used to playing a tougher schedule. Right. and yep. They're going to they're gonna make the adjustment fine. And, and Monadnock is, I think they have 15 starters back from, a team that, you know, had Wyndham beat last year, right. had them on the ropes, yep. and um, so I, you know, to me they're they're a notch above everybody at least going into the season. I guess if if there's a team from the south that can win it, who is it? Well, Campbell's always interesting. I don't know. I have to I'd have to see them play. Yeah. You know, before I, uh, you know, but just just because of their history and, you know, Summers was another one that every few years could come up with a really strong team. Um, I know they had an all-state lineman who didn't. He came out, but he but he quit early in preseason this year. So that was a he was a first teamer. So that really hurt them. Um, but other than that, you know, again, it's it's going to be you know, Winnesquam is another team I forgot to mention on the other side, uh, or that could be very good yeah. too. You know, um, it's really you got to see these teams before you know for sure. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, and it's tough to do when they're all spread out. Over yeah, you have you a know, better, or at around. least I have a better feel for D2 and D1 because you see them yep. more. Yep, same here. Um, so D3, you know, like I was at a Newport practice, and I, you know, just watching them, you could tell they're going to be fine. They have a they have a line that size-wise they could they could be D1, you know, if you looked at them. Um, they have a good quarterback, very, you know, experienced quarterback. They have great tradition in the program, so they're going to have good kids coming up. So I think they'll be fine. But, um, you know, and the other thing that, it makes it difficult is there's a lot of new coaches yeah you know in d3 this year um like like the epping new market team i know they have a new, uh, new coach and a lot of kids out but i don't have a good feel for you know what they're going to be or what they're running yet so a lot to be determined i guess is what i'm saying well roger i want to thank you for uh coming out and joining me again i'm gonna wrap things up here uh, again roger brown is my guest from uh Union leader, uh, nhfootballreport.com. Go and check out his stuff. And, uh, you know, if you liked what you heard here, let them know on uh, Twitter at, at uh, 603 Media. Or probably most of you already let them know what you think uh, plenty of times this, you know, over the course of the year. I'm yeah. sure. I'm yeah. sure we'll be hearing from people <laughs> on, the, on the Twitter machine. Uh, thanks again. I uh, just want to do a quick rundown of uh, what we got coming up on uh, nh-highschoolsports.com in the coming week. Uh, we'll 
throwing out all of our division previews tomorrow and have uh, coverage of some football games this weekend, including Merrimack at Bedford on Friday, Sauhegan and John Stark on Saturday. Also kick off some volleyball next week as they get their season started on Friday. And next week's guest will be Goffstown coach Justin Huff, who will be joining us, hopefully talking Snooze about fest. it. <laughs> Snooze fest. <laughs> I'm sure he'll, have, he'll be able to tell us how, uh, how bad his team was yeah, uh, he's against the, Londonderry last, this the Saturday. The Lou Holtz of high school football, <laughs> no question. Um, well, thanks once again to everybody for listening, and we'll catch up with you next Wednesday.